Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a successful financial services practice? Your hosts, Brad Warhurst, Jeff Coplin, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch and will share with you steps you can take to grow your business and build a world-class practice. It's time for you to get the edge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. And uh, we're here today to talk about growing in a down market. And uh, we've got Jim, Greg, and Brad all here with us to talk about that. So, um, you know, one of the challenges we all have is that it's really, I think, easier to grow in a in an up market than a down market, at least depending on how you define growth. Um, but we've all had success through different ways in that we've uh, done our marketing efforts or client service work that have allowed us to grow during down markets as well as up markets. So we're here to talk about that a little bit today. Um, and maybe we'll start with you, Brad, uh, as always kind of the, the guy that's doing it differently than the rest of us. Um, What's your approach been to growth during a, especially a down market cycle? I don't know that I do anything differently to grow in a down market, although I, I, I think it's easier. I think that people are more willing to talk during a down market because of the statement shock. I think a, a difference, I think you need to be more proactive with your existing clients in a down market for sure. Uh, if you're worried about net flows, of course, you want to keep what you have and and talk to the people that aren't hearing from their advisor otherwise. And a lot of advisors are not reaching out. I don't know why. <laughs> well, maybe they're afraid. They don't know what to say. Yeah, you know, it could be it could be they don't want to talk about it either. It could be there's just so many of us that are at the cruise control stage of our careers that they're just not being proactive with clients anymore. But I think that's huge during times like this. Um, reach out to your clients and, and the prospects are going to be willing to talk more for sure. I do notice that. Anybody yeah. else similar? Yeah, Greg, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, and I'm going to shoot this back to Brad because I, I have to, to compliment him because this is, I, I learned this it, it, and it really confirmed my suspicion about people. And, and there's two types of people. There's, there's investors who are long-term investors. They can stomach the ups and downs. And then on the other side of the coin, you've got savers. Savers, they cannot stomach the ups and downs. And when you go through this kind of mark, you know, this kind of market, like we're having the volatility and, you know, the S&P 500 is down between 12 and 15% uh, year to date so far, last I checked, the, those savers, I mean, if they were inv invested, they wouldn't, I mean, they'd freak out. They, they, it's, it's going to keep them up at night. And Brad has, I've learned this, don't try to turn a saver into an investor. Don't try to change their attitude. Don't try to change their mind. Don't try to convince them. They are savers for a reason. So I'm going to shoot this back to Brad. How do you, how do you determine savers, investors, and, and then how do you dif differentiate is what I'm trying to say. And, and you have from the beginning said, I'll work with savers. Uh, I'll also work with investors, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, they're they're never gonna uh, be reformed or any of this kind of stuff. Right. So I, I mean, I, I do my normal 
uh, spiel of, of trying to educate them and talk about process and why we do what we do. Um, but in the end, how I determine if they've gotten it or not is I, I, my risk tolerance questionnaire is simply, and I take whatever their, whatever's in front of me. If it's, if it's $200,000, if it's a million dollars, if it's $50,000, I'll use their, a number that they're working with. And I'll just ask them, I'll say, you know, the next time 2008 comes along or the next time the next COVID hits in the market tanks, your $200,000 turns into 150. What's our conversation? I just ask them and let them tell me, you know, and you can tell by their facial expression if they're like, you know, that that's too much. Right. And if you whittle it up to a certain, there's a certain point over the years where, you know, if I, if it's 200 grand and, and, and they say, well, I might be okay with 10. That's just a saver, right? At a certain point, you know, I'm not sure where you go down from a 60-40 or a 50-50 portfolio, but I don't have any 30-70s or, or 20-80s. At a certain point, I've just kind of decided, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but it's just not worth it anymore, right? Because there's still, we're going to have the same conversation when you're down eight grand, even if it's a small percentage. So that's how I determine whether they're, whether they're savers or investors. I just use a, use a number that is relevant to them. I don't use percentages. I use hard dollars. Okay. Right? Everybody's like, yeah, sure. I can take 10%. That's nothing. Except when it's on 800 grand, that's when you get the stories from people when they first come into your office and they're like, boy, I lost $80,000 last month. That's not a big deal. <laughs> right. You know, so that's how I do it. I like that because you're using their exact number that they have in their portfolio. Now I'm bad with math as as we've all determined. So I'd have to grab a calculator and say, okay, 2008, it dropped, you know, 38, 40%. So, okay. Awesome. I love that. And you know, once they tell me that, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry about that. No, I was, uh, Brad, talk. Okay. (laughs) Um, you know, you can then you can back into the portfolio that will be okay with them pretty easily. You know, you I don't I don't anticipate another 08 happening, but you know, you can pretty much feed uh 50% decline into the SP and then and blend it together and see what the max drawdown on a portfolio is. Another thing I'll say that I have you guys noticed that when it's maybe in the last couple of weeks or months, have you noticed that even advisors are starting to chatter more about looking for that magic bullet of what's not down right now. <laughs> what could I have done, right? Jim's, Jim's laughing, you know, back 07, 08, 09, you know, the Dorsey Wright uh, program, the uh, Mubain Faber, you know, that whatever he called it, uh, you know, trading on moving averages. I feel like every time there's a pretty good shock to the market, even advisors are looking to change what they do. And man, my advice would be to not do that because none of that stuff works. Stick to your discipline. Don't promise people things that you know you can't do and just get them where they belong at the outset. And that's how I do it. But look at mutual fund flows. I mean, look at mutual fund flows of advisor sold mutual fund products. Um, And the sales are, uh, you know, outflows of stocks during downturns and inflows during upturns. And Again, we're talking advisor sold products. So sadly, we like to laugh at the do-it-yourselfers chasing market trends, but the advisors are not that much better when you look at the data. 
Yeah. Have you guys noticed an uptick in advisors, you know, in the chatter of looking for something different? Always. Anytime there's a market downturn, anytime, anytime there's any shock to their system, especially the tactical guys or the people that sold performance. I don't know about you guys. I do something similar. I do something similar to Brad. When when a client comes in, I add everything up and I just go through and say, look, a a 30% decline is possible in the market. We've seen it before. We've seen bigger shocks. If you could take, I just do the math and just say, if you if you saw a million dollar portfolio drop down to seven hundred thousand, a three hundred thousand dollar loss, uh, what are we talking about? And um, it's the same kind of way. But anytime there's a, but if you sold it based upon performance, if you sat down with a prospect or a client and said, you know, over the last ten years we're up fourteen percent, and you know, or you talk about your tactical model or whatever it is, and all of a sudden it doesn't work the way it should. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be running for the exits because you've got some upset clients. If you condition people right, you can grow during a market downturn. And it, it comes with two things, I think. It, it comes with the idea you never stop marketing. You always market. And in any condition, right now you should be marketing. Now, marketing might be different for each of us on this on this call, but ultimately marketing could be seminars, it could be digital leads, it could be calling old prospects. And the other thing is you always contact your clients. Always. You should be recording webinars. You should be contacting them. <laughs> Yesterday, we sent out emails to every one of our A clients. And it just basically said, hey, the market's down. I know it stinks. Uh, but everything's on track relative to your plan, if it is, of course. Uh, and if you have any questions, let me know. And we sent it to every one of our A clients. Nobody wants to meet with me, by the way. Everybody that got the email, nobody said, oh, I'm nervous. I want to meet. Everybody said, thanks for keeping in touch. We don't like it being down, but we know that you have our best interest at heart. This is how it should be. And if you're reaching out to people, there's huge opportunities. Think how many people have cash sitting in checking and savings accounts that have built up over the last three to five years. If if you're not looking at that, that, that lazy money, if you will, and looking at uh, fixed income solutions for some of that, or potentially looking at dollar cost averaging that back into the market, you're leaving a ton of growth on the table. There's just so much money out there. Yeah. And it strikes me, you know, so we started talking about how do you grow and basically we end up talking about how do you communicate? <laughs> Cause isn't that really how you grow is communicate effectively. And something I, I heard years ago that continues to resonate, resonate with me is our business pays a premium for people with confidence and an ability to communicate. And there's, and that is always tested during these downturns. And I mean, I, again, I think what we're talking about is communicating with people, which therefore then leads to growth for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And so Greg, what, again, in this discussion of communicating with clients, um, when we go through these cycles, what would you say end up being some of your common talking points? Yeah, I uh, I learned a long time ago uh, that, and I think it's it, it started off reading the book by uh, I think it was Mitch Anthony, the story selling for financial advisors. I don't know if you guys have have read that before, but but how you describe market volatility, uh, Nick Murray does a really good job of of describing it. It's 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 market volatility. Volatility is not loss. Right. It's just just because your, the, your house goes down 30 percent like in 08, you're not going to sell your house. These are long term investments. And so being able to communicate w- when I really 
my success in this business went up, you know, it, it was probably about five years ago. I started subscribing to, uh, to Don Conley 247 online. He was actually quoted in that, um, in that story selling book, but being able to, to tell stories, to communicate and describe these market downturns in a language that people can understand, my success absolutely soared. I'm not talking about standard deviation. I'm not talking about, oh, you know, you're getting 70% of the uh, the upside with 30% of the down. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, okay, you know, market volatility. It's like pushing a beach ball underwater. When you let go, what's going to happen? You know, the beach ball is going to go. That's what the market's going to do. And they all start shaking their head and saying, so simple stories and analogies that people can really resonate with and understand. That's what I stick with because, Let's face it, we're experts in our business, but our clients are, are certainly not experts in this business. They they don't, I mean, they barely understand what a mutual fund is, most of them, and uh, let alone an annuity or something like that. So I just go back, you know, Jeff, like what you said, it's communication. And one of my goals, I know we've talked about goals a lot on this podcast, is I'm, I want to be a better communicator year in, year in and year out. And maybe I'm just adding different stories and analogies to my arsenal every single year. Uh, that's, you know, to describe diversification. I, I, if there's a woman in the room, she's really well-dressed, you know, she, she probably has a ton of shoes, I'm just assuming. And so I say, well, Charlie doesn't really know much about diversification, but Susie here, I know she's, if we ask her, why do you have so many shoes? She would say, okay, well, I can't wear black every day. Uh, I've got heels, I've got flats, I've got garden shoes, I've got, uh, I've got rain boots for the rainy days. That's diversification. And so she understands diver diversification better than Charlie does. So uh, just simple stories like that, People are just shaking their heads. I, I so that's how well, I do it, Jeff. You, you know a lot about women's shoes. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Had a lot of uh, yeah. Dated a lot. I, I just want to make. I want to make a quick point about what Brad said before because I think it's um, I think it's really uh, I think it's really striking. Our job is to keep people in the market when the market's down. It's yep. it's to it's to take away their emotional behavior. And he, he was talking about advisors. Look, a lot of advisors, I mean, you've seen advisors go to cash when the market's down. Like they, they'll legitimately like read the tea leaves and think that I need to move my clients to cash. They've got to be right two ways, right? And the, the time they move into cash and the time they move back in. I, I just don't think those are strategies that will endear confidence in your clients long-term and allow your book to grow because most people are in this together. I, I love that beach ball analogy that uh, that Greg used. I'm going to steal that for sure because eventually the market should come back. I mean, it always has. I mean, we we assume it will. Obviously, no promises or guarantees on this podcast, but um, but I, I think the idea is like to, to have discipline and to explain that discipline to your clients and to make sure they know it's okay. And and, and more than anything, in the context of an overall financial plan, so they know. Ultimately, that while we don't like market downturns, we we plan for them to happen. We didn't. If we expected the market always to go up, we would have had all of our clients' money in stock and not in um, rain boots and flats and heels, like Greg referred to. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so what's funny is is the the ways we go about the same thing in different ways. I don't do analogies. I've never got analogies. I can't remember them. I suck at telling jokes. Like I just can't do any of that. Um, and, and so I go about it a different way. Um, no, number one, there's this talk about 
you know, is the market up or down? Well, the market means different things to different people. Um, and so what I'm all about is process. And so if you look at my, uh, if you were to look at my website, you will see in writing the process that I am following to put together investment portfolios. And so what I'm doing is walking through number one with people that I am following a process. And as I tell them and I tell my kids, I uh, believe it or not can predict the future. And I know exactly what's going to happen. I know that market, certain areas of the market will behave differently at different times. I can tell you that is absolutely 100%. I just don't know what's going to happen and when, which is exactly why I'm following this process. <laughs> and it's so validating when you can actually uh, explain a, a real process to somebody uh, because the good news for those of us that are still doing this the right way, most of our competition is winging it as they go and hoping that it works out. And they're not following a process, if especially if the, their clients are out looking for another message. It's probably because the, the person they're working with is winging it right now. Now, Jeff, do you do you make sure that um, while you're well, you have a process, but do you make sure you explain to your clients that you do have this process? And do you think that um, that ultimately leads to more referrals by making sure they understand and uh, this this happens this way? Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's all about my personal value proposition is speaking to people in a way that they can understand and feel comfortable with what I'm talking about. And that is what consistently, uh, when people are referred to me, they say, uh, you know, the people that referred you said that they actually understand what you're talking about. Um, and, and so 100%, yes, being the, the effective communication on a level people are comfortable with no doubt about it is why I'm seeing um, people contacting me. I mean, that's what's mind blowing is people contacting me during downturns asking for, you know, a, a clearer understanding of what's going on right now and a, a way out of this as far as what they're thinking is. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. And Brad, you've got a very clear approach you use in putting the investment plans together. Are you talking about that with people as well? The the way you put your plans to your investment plans together. How do you talk about that? Yeah, at a at a very high level for most people. That you know more so than when we talk about it. Um, but I do. You know, I tie that I tie that in when I when I gauge their risk tolerance. Right. I when I ask them that question of saying you know, what's our conversation if this happens, right? And they, and, and I'll work into saying, okay, well, you know, if this happened, here would be my response. And I'm going into a, you know, a rebalancing discussion, right? So I'm kind of laying the process out for them at that stage. And then I can refer back to it when the time comes. Um, and, and I think that that's pretty effective. It's I validating, think, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Because you're basically saying, I, you know, I, number one, I told you this could happen, and it did, and I told you what we would do about it, and we are. And reminder, and I take kind of a bucket approach to the way that I explain income to people, and then I can I can reinforce why it's okay, you know, right now we're down, and I can explain why that is okay. And I'll usually tie it in also with something along the lines. I'll pick a company that. Not to pick on the company, but someone, you know, a company that no one really likes to give money to, like I use Verizon a lot, you know, to try and calm them down. I'll say, you know, here's what's happening. You know, Verizon stock is down right now. 
anybody think that you won't be paying Verizon four years from now? And they always laugh. And they're like, yeah, those SOBs, I'm definitely going to still send them money. And it's like, <laughs> right, I know. That's why we don't have to do anything about that right now. They right. will find a way to take your money, I promise, <laughs> and your neighbors. And they laugh and they get it. But, um, you know, I think the biggest thing, and no matter how we approach it, the most effective communication is a com- communication that you have. Yeah. Right. That that's probably 80% or more of the battle, right? Is is reaching out to them. It doesn't matter almost what you say, just that they know that you are thinking about them and their money. So they don't have to. Right. And that's we're landing on that. It's communicating with the people that have already trusted you, number one, yep. explaining to them what is going on, what your approach is and why. Uh, but Greg, then okay, so you've done that all effectively. Now you are getting referred from people or people's antennas are up on your marketing efforts. So let's try and focus on, well, what are we talking to people that are not clients about? And um, what is our message to them? And I might suggest, what are we doing to differentiate ourselves as we're talking to them? So you go first, Greg. Yeah. Uh, so so I've improved my process and, and this is going to be a uh, you know, I think the next uh, podcast episode, but as far as somebody calls in, let's say, Hey, uh, you know, my sister, Nancy is a great client. She has a lot of good things to say about you. Um, I'm looking for a second opinion. The market has me, you know, really worried. I might say something like, well, uh, okay. Uh, are you currently working with a financial advisor right now? Yes. I'm working with, you know, Joe Smith. Uh, what is your current advisor saying? about the market volatility and and I just shut up and let her say and she might say something like oh um well I haven't heard from you know and it's uh it's it's hard for me to to keep back of whatever firm it is but I haven't heard from them in 4 years oh uh so so you haven't heard from them in 4 years once so 4 years ago is the last time that you had a review meeting with them okay so I'm trying to ask questions to say you know what are, are they just looking for uh you know, you know, uh, a second opinion, or are they really kind of serious? And someone that hasn't met with their advisor in four years—that's a pain point. That's a huge problem, right there. That's um, the I'm, problem in your example. That's going to that, be the only thing that matters in that meeting. Absolutely, absolutely. That's be yeah. it. So, um, you know, I had, you know, for example, um, I had a a client of mine. Uh, this was the last market dur- downturn during COVID. You know, you remember the market dipped like what thirty nine percent, and and you know, in uh, the first couple of months of the year there. And then within like two months, 59 days, it recovered. I had a client that called said, uh, you know, we go to church with this guy. This guy's at Ameriprise. He is awesome. He is such a great guy. Oh, he is a, you know, and the story, uh, you know, he, he helps with all these charities. He's really involved with our church. And I, and I said, well, if he's so great, why are you calling me? <laughs> and they said, well, uh, you know, he holds the door for us at church, but uh, he hasn't called us for a review meeting in five years. It's like, we don't matter to him. We feel like we don't have enough money to work with him. And they had over a half a million, you know? So uh, it, it was just getting back to your communication, uh, Jeff, that sometimes that's what's lacking uh, sometimes in these relationships. It's the number one reason why people leave an advisor is communication. And why not take advantage of that with prospects during a downtime? Yeah. And Jim, how do you differentiate when you're talking to prospective clients? 
Yeah, I, I love the way Greg said there. I think um, I think for clients, just always remember, if you're not talking to your clients, the competition is. I mean, this is a competitive space. People are marketing. Uh, I'm going to be going after your clients if you are not. Greg is going to be going after them, Brad and Jeff. The, the way we differentiate is we we talk about, and I think I don't think we're different, but I don't think a, a lot of a lot of people say they do this, but not many people do. We talk about how they are performing relative to their plan and are they on track to hit their goals. So that's ultimately what we talk about. We if if I'm talking to a prospect and the market's down, my, my conversation is number one. Are you working with an advisor? What are they saying? Very similar to what Greg is. And, and then ultimately, I ask him two other questions. I just tell him, you know, how is this going to impact your plan? Have you have you run your financial plan as an update to make sure you're not going to run out of money in retirement, that you're still going to hit your goals? And, and they don't know the answer to it because they haven't talked to their darn advisor. Otherwise, they wouldn't be talking to me. And then the other thing is, I, I love to ask people, are, are, your, are, your, are your positions appropriate appropriately positioned for the market recovery that we're going to see at some point? Do you have, do you have the right stuff? Has anybody rebalanced it is really what I'm trying to get to, right? Like we all have access to the same things, but I think these kinds of questions are what are going to spur people. But the most important thing, I think it's, it's not even the differentiating factors is just calling people or connecting with them. If you call it, it's the law of large numbers. If you call enough people, if you get in front of enough people, you're going to close business. And p- advisors don't do it. They're scared to talk about the market. Who wants to talk to their client about being down 12%? It's not that big of a deal to us, but we know our clients. If they see, to Brad's point, uh, an $80,000 decline, it's not a lot of money in a relative sense, but it's a lot of money in a real sense to them, considering they might make 70 grand a year. So it's advisors just don't like to pick up the phone. Picking up the phone, that's the differentiating factor, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and if I can weigh in on this, um, I think the one of the biggest <laughs> problems advisors have is their approach to long-term investing is "quote unquote" do nothing, um, and talk about a differentiator. Um, I have a lot of things that are active items happening right now with my clients, and this is what I use to differentiate when I'm talking to prospective clients. So, number one. Um, is your advisor talking with you at all about how your holdings uh, correlate to the numbers that end up on your income tax return? And then is there any thought going into that when we're in the middle of a move down? And I mean, that's what I'm grateful for right now is I've got some uh, reinvested capital gains distributions that happened in 2020 and 2021 that I can actually grab losses on right now and reinvest more tax efficiently. And I tell clients how excited I am about the ability to convert IRA dollars to Roth IRA dollars at a discount. I mean, looking at 2020, looking backward, you were able to recoup your tax in 60 days. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, And so I, in that respect, like the things that I get to do (laughs) during these downturns, um, that I would suggest if you're an advisor, you're not competent in, you're leaving the door open to an advisor that is. So, I mean, if I can give anybody some advice is study the lines on the 1040 and how the numbers get there and the numbers that you have some say in <laughs> um, and start talking to clients about those things because it blows my mind, this stuff that advisors are doing with their client money 
with a complete lack of regard for the tax implications of that. And being on top of that has been night and day as a differentiator for me. Jeff, have you noticed? I noticed you you kind of had a little, you could hear the excitement when you were talking about, (laughs) oh, we can do a Roth conversion now or do this. Have you or anybody else noticed that if you take that mindset to the phone call or to the meeting with the client, you know, the market's down and you're like, we've been waiting for years to be able to get a, re- a good rebalance buying opportunity that they more often than not, they will adopt the same demeanor as you. And they're like, they may have come there to be like, <laughs> and you're like, this is great. They're like, yeah, this is great. All right, let's do it. <laughs> I've noticed that when I take that approach, especially calling on dips and they're like, yeah, go get them, Brad. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Go get them. Really? And that's the blessing I'll tell you that anybody now has is that this is, if you've been in the business more than two years, this is already your second dip. I mean, for those that started in the 80s and 90s and rode the wave up, they didn't have a dip. They had 93, 94 that was so-so, but they were still dinosaurs selling 30-year bonds in that era. I mean, so then they didn't get anything except to move up until year 2000. So I've been lucky in 22 years now to have had, I guess this is my fourth significant move down, fourth or fifth. But um, those of us with even two or three years of experience can look at 2020, can, can look at what we're doing for clients and what would have happened during that cycle and have some confidence in our process and talk to clients about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you guys have all been through these cycles um, and I don't know, you must do that too. Don't you look at past downturns and talk about how this is the same and different? Oh yeah. Yeah. I I think, I think the best line I've ever heard is uh, this time it is different, but the outcome will be the same. And I I think that's the line I use with clients is the the market is obviously going to go down. Again, if we plan for the market to always go up, we would have been a hundred percent in stocks. That's the reason we're not 100% in stocks is because we didn't, we expected it to go down, right? And, and, and to just point, you should be looking at dollar cost averaging opportunities, Roth conversion opportunities, all of these opportunities that happen when the market's down. But the most important thing is to communicate why you're doing what you're doing and that it's a great opportunity to Brad's point before. So go get them champ is what we're after here when you call them. I mean, there should be like, it should not be doom and gloom. Like no advisor caused the market to go down. So if you're like apologizing and I'm so sorry, like we don't cause the market to do anything. All we can do is react in a positive way and take advantage of opportunities that exist for our clients. And if you do that, your business will grow. You're going to uncover more assets. You're going to get referrals. And as long as you're calling prospects, you're going to come out the other side of this in a much better state than you were before. So true. That that sounded like a final thought. I want to get a final thought from each of you. Uh, uh, Brad, what would your, you know, if there's one or two things that you'd say are most important to be thinking about with this idea of communication and, and growing in a downturn, what would they be? Right now is probably one of the best times to grow that I can think of in my career. You can talk to existing clients about rebalancing or, or tax loss harvesting or anything that you want where you have a chance to uncover new money. Strengthen relationship, going to get referrals, prospects, you have the same thing. 
you know, they're not, most of them are not hearing from their advisor. And it doesn't even matter if they're an investor or a saver, right? Because we have another thing going on right now that we haven't had a lot of in the last 20 years, interest rates going up, right? So right now you can even talk to a saver about, you know, if you're a fan of MIGA annuities or, or whatever, I, I know my local bank is at still 1% something on a five-year CD and we're up between three and four now. So there is something that you can literally talk, you can talk to an investor, you can talk to a saver, you can talk to a client, you can talk to a prospect. There is a reason for them to do something right now. And it's probably the best opportunity in the last, uh, since, since 08, since 08, I would, I would guess. Excellent. Greg, how about you? What, what would be one or two main takeaways? Yeah, I would say looking at this as an opportunity, just like we've discussed today. Uh, if if you're talking to prospects, I'm certainly saying, okay, you know, bring in your bring in your financial plan, bring in your retirement plan, and l- let's take a look at that. Uh, I ask that everybody, and the fact of the matter is, is that maybe five percent of people bring in a fi- retirement plan. And Jeff, you probably love it's probably music to your ears because. Um, uh, Raymond James is actually the only the advisors that that do have a plan. Uh, if their if their advisor is through you know is with Raymond James, they will come in with a plan. Other than that, I don't really see um, I don't really see uh, retirement plans come in in the door to to evaluate. So it's kind of saying okay, we do things a little bit different here. You know, would it be helpful to explain our difference based on what you've because because people have a perception of what financial advisors do. And it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, we we all do things differently. All four of us do things differently. And there's a lot of advisors on this call that, I mean, they may be just glorified insurance agents calling themselves a financial advisor. So we all kind of get grouped into the same, uh, you know, beast that, okay, no matter where I go, whether I go to Jim, Greg, Jeff, or Brad, I'm going to get the same experience. And that's just not true. So kind of just letting people know ahead of time, hey, we're experiencing this downturn. Can I can I help explain what we're doing for our current clients that you may be missing out on? Here are some of the opportunities. And I think Brad, just thinking about Brad's point, I have never seen an enthusiastic person fail. I've seen so many pessimistic people fail in this business, but enthusiasm, it, it just it just spreads to other people, whether it's a prospect, clients. So just that, I mean, just that enthusiasm. Go get them, Brad. I just, <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> Jim, anything you want to add to what you said earlier? No, I think we all need hype videos uh, for this stuff. So no, I think these are all great points. Just communicate with your clients, guys. I think that's that's what it comes down to. Reach out, communicate, take advantage of the opportunities. Uh, don't 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 gloss in your in your in your uh, quest to be enthusiastic. Understand real people have real concerns, so recognize them as you're doing it. But understand there's huge opportunities for you to grow your business and ultimately to help your clients and those who are not being contacted by people. So good stuff, guys. Yeah, good advice. Well, you've heard uh, good discussion from four people that actually did it themselves here and grew successful businesses. And uh, certainly, I think there's uh, lots to take away from this, but be sure to keep listening because there's definitely going to be more as we continue forward. So be sure to find us online. We are the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. Wherever you're listening to this, be sure that you're hitting the subscribe button so you get notifications when we do additional episodes. So thanks again for being with us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the show. 
check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.